This episode of the Punk Rocket Show is brought to you by the label Iodine Recordings. Their catalog includes great punk, pop punk, and hardcore bands like Smoke on Fire, The Iron Roses, Hey Tanks, Her Head's on Fire, The Darling Fire, and many more. It's very simple. All the bands on Iodine are a great fit on this podcast. The label is run by great people with good values. And if you're a vinyl lover, check their gorgeous selection of colored LPs. Thank you so much, Iodine Recordings, for supporting the show. Check the show notes or go to iodinerecords.com. Hello, beautiful punk rock humans. I hope you are doing great today. Welcome to the Punk Rocket Show, episode 79. My name is Emily. I live in Quebec City in Canada. I'm French-Canadian and I'm super happy to be your host. I have such a beautiful episode for you, my friends, today because my guest is Karina Denike. She used to play in Dance Hall Crashers. She is the amazing singer on the song On the Outside of No Use for a Name. She's also on tour with No Effects. She does a lot of collaborations too. That was such a great conversation. I also make you a repunctation for the band The Darling Fire from Florida. They are on Iodine Recordings. I hope you are ready for this one because the show is starting now. Bonjour punk rockers! How are you today? I hope you are doing great! I had such a good weekend! I wanted to talk to you a little about that. So on Friday, I went to my favorite venue called Lancy because there was a release party for to celebrate the new album of my friends Itch and Go! There were four local bands playing that night, and you know what? The show was fucking sold out. And nothing makes me more happy than seeing a local show being sold out. It was super fun to see a lot of punk rock friends there. NH and Go also invited me for a little featuring on their song Find Yourself. It was super fun, even if I couldn't hear myself on a stage. So I wasn't completely on the note. <laughs> But it was super rad. And on Saturday night, oh my god! I was playing in a private party with my friend Simon um, with our project called 50 Shades of Punk Rock. We are doing acoustic covers. And we went to a private party for the 40th birthday to a guy. We, we didn't know anyone there, but they, they hired us to uh, <laughs> have a good party. And it was so much fun. Like There was like a, a bunch of 40 years old people singing all the cover songs, having a blast, spilling beers everywhere on the floor. <laughs> They were doing body surfing, slamming, mushing. It was such a good night. And something that made me laugh a lot, it's because we were playing Mr. Clean by Millen Collin. And <laughs> the one guy was mopping the floor during this time, during Mr. Clean. <laughs> and, I, and you know what? It, it was like much needed. That floor needed to be mopped. <laughs> and here I am. I'm recording this on... Sunday afternoon, I feel like I have a huge lack of sleep, but also my punk rock heart is super happy about the weekend. 
Today the show is going to be amazing. I am extremely stoked to present you the conversation I had with Karina Denike. She is such an inspiration for me since a long time. So it was kind of emotional for me. I saw her play recently in Quebec City with no effects. And when I saw her on the stage, I was like, I need to talk to her. I need to know more about her. So I invited her and she said, yes. Also, as I told you on the last episode, Iodine Recordings is still sponsoring the next episodes, including this one. And if you haven't yet, I really suggest you to listen to the previous episode because I interviewed Casey, the owner of Iodine. The conversation was great. And today, the recommendation that I have for you is for a band on Iodine that I absolutely love. So let's go for the recommendation of the week. Presented by Iodine Recordings. Repugmentation! So the band I really want you to discover this week is called The Darling Fire. They are from Florida. And I suggested Casey um, to repugment this band because I've been literally obsessed with the band since I've discovered them because of Iodine. I love the mix of influences because you can hear post-hardcore, some metal, some punk, and, you know, it's very heavy, atmospheric, but the vocal is insanely calming for me. So it's like you listen to that and it's super heavy. It's probably very dark, but the, the vocal is like hypnotizing me for real. So that's why I love this band so much. And also the band feature members of Shiloh, the Rocking Horse winner, uh, Further Seems Forever, and As Friend Rust. A few weeks ago, they released their incredible album, Distortions. It's their sophomore album. And I want you to listen to my favorite song on the album. It gets my emotions a lot. It's called Heart Will Stop.
Are you ready to hear the conversation I had with Karina Denike? Oh, she's such an incredible human, a fantastic singer. You probably know her because of Dancehall Crashers and the song On the Outside by No Use for a Name. But she also has her solo project. She's touring with NoFX. She does many collaborations. She's exploring many genres. We talked about all of this, uh, about all our projects, and also about many other topics like, for instance, the last No Use for a Name show in Quebec City. Karina was there. She was singing uh, some songs, and I was crying in the crowd. It was such an incredible moment in my life. And so we talked about that for sure. I also had questions for her about her lyrics, her songwriting. Uh, we talked about the fact that she was, quote-unquote, the fat wreck girl <laughs> in the 90s and early 2000s, probably. So I was really happy to have her perspective on this. So during the interview, you're going to hear the songs Cat Fight of Dancehall Crashers and uh, also a song on her solo album, Under Glass, called Musée Mécanique, that you can also find on the Fat Wreck compilation, Mild in the Streets. My heart is stuck with Karina. <laughs> Let's go. Hey, punk rock human. If you like merch as much as I do, I strongly recommend you the website epicmerchstore.com. They have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, hats, long sleeves, and kids merch for more than 200 punk rock, ska, hardcore, and metal bands from all around the planet. So if you like bands like Good Riddance, The Dreadnoughts, Friends of Rome, After the Fall, Diesel Boy, Krang, Straight Line, Polly, Randy, and many more. Oh, they also have a Tony Sly tribute merch. They support smaller and bigger bands from all around the world. Plus, they ship worldwide and you can have a flat rate shipping cost. Get your merch at EpicMerchStore.com. on the outside, it will never be the same. After all that's happened, what is it that we've gained? I made mistakes before and never lived them down. After all you come from me, I'm bound. Don't say another word. Just to you on the outside, but we can't both be sane. Just speaking for yourself. I'm I'm 
test. It's working. Yay. Thank you for being my guest today. I'm so happy. Oh, nice. Thank you. Um, thank you. It's an honor. I'm, I'm happy to be uh, here. And because thanks, I, I saw you. I saw you recently play with no effects and then I was like, I need her as a guest. <laughs> I know. It's so cool. So how long have you been doing this series? Uh, this podcast, really it's, it's been a year and a half, but I have a radio show too in Quebec City and I've been hosting it for 18 years. Yeah. Right. I knew that it was a long time. I wasn't quite sure how, God, 18 years. That's yeah, ages. but it's new that I have this podcast because my, my uh, radio show is right. in French. So right. I, I wanted to do an English podcast, even if my English is not that good. <laughs> but, you know. That's fine. It's great. It's better than my French. <laughs> Where are you on this crazy planet? It's the first question I always ask. <laughs> it is a crazy planet and it's getting crazier. <laughs> I know. Um, every Every single day. By the hour, mm -hmm. um, I um, I'm in the Bay Area in San Francisco Bay Area. So I'm in San Francisco. I grew up um, in England. Yeah. When I was a kid, and then when I was 12, I moved to um, Oakland and Berkeley, and um, so I so I've been kind of in the Bay Area ever since. I mean, I I traveled a lot as a kid and a lot as an adult, obviously mm -hmm. too. But but um, this is my home now, the Bay Area. So San Francisco. Oh, yeah. and today I really want to talk about uh, all your project, all your crazy, amazing music life. Um, the Because I know you <laughs> mostly because of punk rock, of course, but you did so many things. So I want to talk about that and with a little focus on the punk rock scene for a for my my topic sure. but i just want to know how, yeah. how you got started with music i think you were super young and with what genre did you start and how punk rock came into your life after that so just a brief history of when it started sure um so when i was living in england until i was 12 i said and and uh I had an older brother who, you know, had great taste in music. So he was definitely influencing me and my, and my parents as well. Mm -hmm. um, we listened to a lot of um, like Toots and the Maytales and a lot of like early ska, early, like early Bob Marley. Yeah. Um, and Rocksteady and reggae and that kind of stuff. And then my brother, my older brother was into punk rock. So um, that really influenced me a lot. Mm -hmm. I was just crazy about the specials, about, you know, Susie and the Banshees, um, a bunch of, you know, great music coming out of England at the time. So then when I moved to the States, I kind of, uh, got, got more into it. I did some other music. I started in a band when I was 15. Oh, um, and that was kind of more of like, a, uh, we did some reggae and we did some ska, but we also did some other music, like some world music and different, different kinds of stuff. Well, um, what was the band? Because I think then Soul Crashers, you were like 18, but was it this band? That was, No, it wasn't that bad. It oh, was okay. just a very short-lived moment of just kind of getting on stage and trying oh, okay, it out. Yeah, yeah. And then and then I did join Dancehall Crashers when I was 18. I was um, uh, just just kind of leaving high school. And, and then my younger brother was into that scene too. So we were both into like, I think just coming from England, we had our like music that we loved as kind of the ska. Mm -hmm punk scene in England was, was really big. And so that we kind of, as teenagers, we really were drawn to that still. And there was Gilman. We lived pretty close to Gilman street, which is like that 
you know, legendary punk yeah. co-op. Uh, so we were there a lot and, and then, yeah. And then I got into, we were kind of, you know, a lot of our friends were into obviously that scene. So, and I got into dancehall crashers through my, through my younger brother. He, he knew them and he was like, they had said, we need a singer. He's like, my sister sings, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, so that was kind of a scene, a scooter scene and the rock city scene and, you know, some skinheads and, um, you know, trad gone. So you, scene and so and yeah yeah go ahead yeah I just wanted to know Sorry. if so you start singing probably before that did you know what kind of music you wanted to play like really young or you started with ska punk I didn't know what what was first <laughs> what genre yeah, did you no to? I mean I was as a kid I was obsessed uh no I was singing right away it was like my major obsession since I was very little my my mom's side of the family are all musicians even though she wasn't. Um, and so I think it's just some, some, you know, family genetic pull. Um, and then what the kind of music I was listening to, you know, when I was younger, it was like, I loved the Beatles, anything that had mm -hmm. harmony, oh, you yeah. know, Bob, Whale, Bob Marley and the Wailers, obsessed with Toots and the Maytales and the Wailers, anything that had harmony. So mm -hmm. the staple singers are a huge influence on me. Um, you know, then there was people like Althea and Donna, who's this great rock steady um, duo uh, they were big in England at the moment at the time. So kind of like female vocalists, um, like I said, Susan, the Banshees, Debbie Harry, Joan Jett. Nice. So it wasn't all punk though. It was definitely like a lot of Beatles and a lot of other, mm -hmm. all kinds of, all kinds of like anything that had harmony. I just loved it, you know, specifically, yeah. but, um, you know, girl groups, Motown, um, a lot of soul, a lot of jazz, Um, but, but, but definitely I had a pull towards kind of like rock and roll early vocal groups and yeah, anything with harmony. Wow. So, so kind of moving into, yeah, moving into like being a later teenager, it was, um, I still all love all that, like the Beatles and yeah. that's, they're just geniuses. Like they're, they're my favorite man. So since I was a kid, you know, trying to pick out all the harmonies, trying to like differentiate, which is the higher, which is the lower, which is the middle, which is, you know, all those kinds of things. So a music obsession always from the beginning, you know, and yeah. Oh. And then kind of transferring into, into more punk and, and, but, you know, I still always have this love for it. Like I said, staple singers, mm -hmm. soul, Tina Turner, you know, Billie Holiday, Ella Fitzgerald, Aretha Franklin, all these kind of classic American, incredible soul singers, Nina Simone. Um, I got into that maybe a little bit later. And so that's kind of where I ventured into some other music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So great. And it's fun, but because I love to sing too. And I always been obsessed with harmonies too. Same thing. Like, I don't know. I thought, I think uh, yeah. when I was young, I was uh, really into pop rock in Quebec, like Quebecois singers. And I was always trying to do harmonies. So I, I know what you mean. <laughs> so your, your brothers introduced you to music. He, uh, your, your brother introduced you to the dancehall crashers. And that's, is it how you started to be really involved in the Californian punk scene at this moment? Yeah. And we, Yeah, we put out a we put out a song on a compilation, um, and then there was the plan to make a record. And um, in the meantime, I have always been doing other music. I was in, you know, as a teenager. Also, sorry, I put something on my computer. Fine. Oh, um, <laughs> I had something on my computer. Sorry. As a um, 
as a teenager, I was also singing, you know, in choirs with like Bobby McFerrin and this legendary singer, John Hendricks, who's like created this concept of vocalese, which is like incredible, sort of like a combination of scat and, um, and singing lyrics that he makes up. He, he, He was kind of a total genius. So just doing a lot of other music at the same time. And then, and then getting, yeah, getting more into dancehall crashers in the early days of that, because I had already, you know, loved this music so much, even mm-hmm. though I was also doing other music. Um, it was just an easy shift because I understood it. And I, not yeah. everybody gets, you know, the ska scene or the punk scene. So it's kind of um, true. <laughs> it was a, yeah, an easy transition for me to kind of go back into that love, that kind of first love, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we put we put out a first album and and did a little bit of you know we played a lot of shows around that and on Moonska and then the band kind of broke up everybody was sort of leaving college or just not sure what we yeah to you do. were all super young bit. so that's life huh I guess <laughs> yeah and we had a lot I mean we're kind of notorious dancehall crashers for having probably some of the maybe the most amount of people in our band ever yeah. just <laughs> over time over time you know it was started by Tim Armstrong and Matt Freeman who were doing Operation Ivy they started the band mm-hmm. and then um I joined after they left but but they you know which was all within like the first six months like within six months there was like tons of Bay Area kind of legendary people sort of in for like a month and then out and you know people from Screw 32 and lots of local smaller punk bands and it's like a collaborative um, so you know <laughs> It was like collaborative. Everyone <laughs> you could join it, and yeah, there was, yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of great, great people um, in and out of the band. And so, so by the time we broke up, we were a little bit, we were, we had decided on a lineup, but it was still kind of a little problematic. So we reformed after we were getting all these letters, mm-hmm. you know, from, from fans across the states because of our album had come out. Um, wanting us to play and we were sort of like well maybe we should just play one reunion show and we did that at slims which is a great club here that sadly just is just closed up recently but it was a great legendary club in san francisco and we played there i think it was with let's go bowling and i'm trying to remember who else was on that bill but it was a big show for us it was a big deal and we just had such a great um response that Mm -hmm. we decided maybe we should continue and see yeah. what we got. <laughs> you know what? I asked the listeners if they have questions for you, and I think I got 20 of them asking if oh, any reunion oh. is possible. <laughs> Another reunion for Dancehall Crashers. I got so many questions about that. I know. I get asked that all the time. Um, oh, yeah. I'm sure I you do. don't. I don't think so, but it's not impossible. I just don't want people to, I don't want people to hope for it. It's very unlikely. Could be fun (laughs) to have a reunion tour with Denzel Crashers and Operation Ivy. (laughs) Just ask, just saying in in the universe. (laughs) Yeah, I think that would be, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. (laughs) Sorry. Could be nice. I was just saying that would, it would be nice. That would take a lot of crazy forces coming together that I don't think are going to happen. Yeah, but. yeah, no, I know. But I I understand the fans to ask because why not? <laughs> um, sure. But 
at the same time, so were you focusing mainly on Dancehall Crashers or you were still writing your own songs and working on other stuff? Because you were touring I a lot. Always, yeah, we, we, we were, but I was always working on other music. So I actually put out, I actually signed two major record label yeah. deals within a month of each other, <laughs> which is not, you're not really supposed to do that. Um, no. I was in... I was in college actually, um, and studying music, studying voice. And I, I got together with a group of women that we are still really good friends. And I still work with musically sometimes, oh. um, my dear friends. And we, we started a group called the, called Jezebel. And it was, you know, a lot of sort of like feminine feminists, um, anti-establishment kind of lyrics. Nice. And, but it was, It was mostly vocals. It was just vocals. We put some instrumentation oh. on there sometimes, but it was all vocals. So it was quite, quite different to Dance on Crashers. Wow. <laughs> like, but we, yeah. And we played at the Montreux Jazz Festival. We, we did some, some cool stuff and, um, you know, we got signed and we were pursuing that, but, um, yeah, for a lot of complicated reasons, Dance Hall Crashers mm -hmm. was kind of taking mm -hmm. off and, you know, I ended up doing that. So, um, yeah, in the meantime, I was writing songs with them. I was, I was actually in three bands wow. in a dance company, going to college full-time working a job. I was kind of insane at that time. Yeah. So, uh, Death of Crashers kind of ended up taking precedent, but, um, I've always been working on lots of other music. Oh it's, yeah. You never kind stopped. Of just, <laughs> And working on no, other genres, no. because I know that when I heard like on the outside for the first time, I was like, what a fucking great singer. I want to do that. I didn't know like we could have a clear voice. I would say it like this but, and do punk rock. And I was like amazed. And I do you think that working on other genres helped you to like push that away in a punk rock song? You know what I mean? Like working with jazz. And oh, yeah. I do think so. I mean, I, I'm really actually pretty self-taught, not even though I did go to school for it, I didn't have a great voice teachers at that place, I have to say. But um, I'm pretty self-taught. And I, I think, you know, especially like doing this vocal group that I was talking about, Jezebel, for example, and, and just working on music all the time, I really strengthened my voice a lot. And I think, yeah. you know, I think... I, I was always surprised that I think I have a clearer sounding voice than, you know, somebody like, you know, Joan Jett or Stacy, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I think that they have this amazing kind of raspy voice that I just don't have, yeah. you know, I just, exactly. I, I, oh my God. It's, it's great. So funny. It. You know, but what? it's not me, you know, I, So recently, because, uh, I receive a lot of comments, uh, people asking me like, Did you ever, have you ever tried to sing like Brody Dale with the raspy and like, right. no, not, I can't. It's like, if you ask me to have blue eyes, like it's not possible. And then uh, a few weeks ago, I'll, I'm going to send you the, the screenshot, but someone told me you're like a Karina <laughs> and we, we need more, we need more Karina in the scene. I was like, wow, this is so rad. <laughs> So yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's so right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it does, you know, it just, it's, I mean, I, it is like physiology is, is what it is with your voice. We don't, mm -hmm. we can't, 
we can change it a little bit. We can work on it. We can strengthen it. We can expand it. We can. So, and all of that, I, I did as much as I could. I was obsessed with it. You know, I oh. obsessed with like, how much power can I get? How much range can I get? How much, all of those kinds of technical sides of it, but also my voice is what it is. And yours is, you know, we do have some of that inherent and I don't yeah. have a raspy voice. So I do think that those other kinds of styles of music definitely brought a certain thing to what I do, but I also just kind of, it is me, you know, you know how yeah, these yeah, things yeah. are. So yeah, but I, did, you know, like on the outside was an interesting one because um, I didn't know those guys at that well at that moment. Oh, I knew Chris Shiflett. That's what I wanted to know. Yeah, How did that, you start these collaborations with like punk rock, amazing people like Tony Sly, No FX? Yeah. Okay, so you started, yeah. uh, you knew Chris first, uh, Scott. I knew Chris. For, Chris. Through, yeah, through the punk Chris, Chris Shiflett, because mm -hmm. he was in No Use for a Name. And, you know, yeah. Fat Records was in San Francisco. We were... Um, all becoming good friends. Um, there was like lots of parties and shows and all that kinds of stuff. So we would see each other a fair amount. And so I knew Chris Shiflett a little better because the other guys from No Use for a Name didn't live in San Francisco, but he did. Oh. So, yeah. So we had a lot of more common friends and, and Fat Mike and Aaron and, um, you know, Fat Records, mm -hmm. whole crew. And then because we also put our... Um, our old record out on, on a subsidiary of fat on honest mm -hmm. dogs. So our, our old record that had come out originally on moon ska, uh, fat Mike and Aaron picked that up and, and released it, re-released it. And it's mm -hmm. called the old record now, you know, Yeah. but the original version was not called the old record. So with a couple of extra tracks. So we, we released that with them. So we were friends with them. We were already getting um, pretty close with them. And then Chris Shiflett, They wanted to, you know, somebody to sing on a, a girl to sing on on the outside, and he was the one that suggested oh. me. And I came into the studio, and I because I didn't know Tony that well at that point. I'd met him before, but we weren't mm -hmm. we weren't touring together at that moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or Matt or um, Rory. So, so we um, we just did that one song, and it just it, it came out great, and we were all like, "Hey, this this is fun," and hell yeah, you know, had some fun with it. Kind of like try this, try that, and. Yeah. And, and then, and then we ended up touring with them and playing with them a lot and doing all kinds of shows. We went to Australia with them. We did, um, you know, a lot of San Francisco. We played the Fillmore with them, which was like this really amazing club here that mm. was kind of a big deal. That was like right when we got signed and it was like, Ugh. And you play, so, uh, you, you um, played the, the, the song live with we, them on that tour? I, we, you know what? We didn't do it that much. It's really funny. I was thinking about that because we didn't do it that that often on that on the live shows it was weird we we did it a, a, i felt like later on in the years like it became kind of a more of a thing like once it was out mm -hmm. i don't know why, once it had been out for a couple few years or something like suddenly it became this this um request that people were get, yeah. you know giving us and more so but i think right when their record came out oh we weren't playing oh I but didn't we were we were stuck we did it some, but it's not like we did it every night or something on tours. Mm -hmm. I don't know why we did it some nights. They would, maybe they would change up their set quite a bit. And maybe. then I also sang on their record um, and did the Sinead O'Connor song, mm -hmm. which was really cool. So beautiful. Uh, rock bottom. So, yeah. So that was kind of a really big honor. because they're like, we just want you to sing this whole song. And I was like, what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love it so, so much. Mm -hmm. 
that was really fun. And then, yeah, when then Tony decided to do his, so at that point we were all much better friends. We had also been touring yeah. together much more and, you know, we had a lot of fun with those guys. It was kind of a perfect band for Dancehall Crashers to tour with because they're really hilarious. <laughs> Everybody kind of got along with all the other other do you know what I mean which doesn't always happen where you have like the drummers become good buddies and and, you know like we all have our little like everyone kind of liked each other and got along with each other family vibe so everyone we had a total blast oh that's great yeah uh and stop me for a second these songs as I think these songs uh, I lost your oh hello one second okay I can't hear you. Oh, I'm still there. One, two. Okay. You hear me? I'm having an issue with my little Oh, yeah. I heard a battery signal or something. Yeah, it's it's dead. So I think I can can do it on my regular computer. I wanted to have it on my speaker. Okay. Okay. You hear me? I want to I think it's okay. Okay, good. So yeah, I just uh, I just say I was saying that those songs you sang uh, had a major influence on many people and like I had uh, on the outside is probably one of my the songs that the listeners request me the most of no no use for name. So wow, it's great. Uh, which bring me to the last no use for a name show ever in Quebec City, and you were here. Yeah. Yeah. And and you sang the song live and I was crying like a baby in the crowd. <laughs> it was really intense. I oh. that that whole experience was incredibly intense. The whole show was like just heartbreaking and um it was def- it was difficult to get through it, Oof. I have to say. Um yeah. I know Joey was was having a very difficult time. I was oh, yeah. everybody in the band, everybody was. So, um, yeah, singing that was, was, it, it was really special and really difficult. <laughs> oh yeah. I remember I w- it was one of the saddest, <clears throat> but also most beautiful moments of my life, uh, of my punk rock oh. life for real. I was with all my friends in my city, like, right. I can see the spot from my window right now. <laughs> Because I live very close yeah. to it. And at some point it was raining and people were crying. My, me and my friends were crying in the crowd. And I saw you sing this song. And ah, I'm still emotional thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. And I think Tony's family Definitely. was there too. Like uh, his brother, uh, his yeah. wife. So Joey yeah, was there. Yeah, who I'm still close to. And, um, you know, Bridget. Mm-hmm. And we, we came close to their you know, to, to, um, to his brothers, two brothers and, and actually his parents as well, even. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Oof. yeah. And I mean, they weren't there, they weren't in Montreal, but, but, um, Bridget, you know, is a good friend of mine and, um, yeah, I mean, they were just, he was just a, an amazing person and lovely person and hilarious mm. and brilliant and, yeah, you know, so his songs were so good and it was such it was such a treat to sing his solo yeah. material because I have done a lot of acoustic music anyway and um so it was really fun to see him explore and and find different ways to create his songs that weren't mm-hmm. just in the punk rock genre you know like 
they, they, they hold their own regardless of yeah. what kind of instrumentation, you know, we could, you could have the, the you could make any of those punk rock songs or not as it, you know, as it turns out mm-hmm. we did in the, in the, um, in the tribute album, you can yes. kind of see that, that these songs can become one way or another, you know? Yeah. So, um, they, they can, they hold their own regardless. So you can do, you can do whatever with it, with mm. his songwriting and they don't have to fall into just like an acoustic song or just a punk rock song. They can, mm-hmm. they can be the other, you know, they can, they can switch into, into a different style. And that's, that's kind of really, mm. that's a good song. Once you can really do something with it, that isn't just that loud thrashy yeah sound you know that's how you know you have a good song yeah no use for a name was one of the first band um that i realized that punk rock was not necessarily aggressive as fuck like you know and it Mm -hmm. could be melodic Mm -hmm. and i can sing like melodies and harmonies and like you know because before that i wasn't I, I had the impression that punk rock was like very aggressive for people on drugs (laughs) right 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 (laughs) but then i was like oh that's not not true it's really fast the music is aggressive but like it's super melodic and it's like real singing (laughs) so
it can be, it can be all these things. It doesn't, exactly. it doesn't fall into one thing. No. You know, there's, it was also, you know, peace punkers and industrial punk and all yeah. kinds of other, you know, styles of punk rock that, you know, maybe people don't listen to as much now, but, but it can be a lot of things, you know, yeah. and there's, it goes into new wave and it, you know, mm. you've got your blondies and your Susie and the Banshees and they've got like almost tribal drums and, and that might sound terrible, but it, once you hear it, you're like, that sounds great. You know? So well, you can, you can really do a lot within the genre actually. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, I think Fat Mike actually, <laughs> he really, I think he really writes like such unique original songs. They're, they're challenging quarterly. They don't, yeah, they're not just three chords. They're not, you know, which I think a lot of people, you know, might that don't know punk rock stuff, maybe might think, Oh, the Ramones or something, which I love the Ramones, but, yeah. but they're kind of simple, like quarterly, they have oh, yeah, like yeah. three, four, maybe five chords and that's it, you know, and, and somebody like Mike will write really complicated verses and really complicated tricky lines and you know do something in in five instead of four and Mm -hmm. you know seven and like just do weird things that if it's working you don't even notice it the listener doesn't maybe not even notice it right i never thought about that (laughs) yeah yeah there's some weird stuff in in his songs like in great in really tricky little like moments where you're like ooh, that's what makes that song interesting you know every verse might be different so like you'll think that everything is like the same it's like not yeah so yeah and how did you start to play with them uh live on tour and it's really fun so um so mike was working on this you know mike was living in san francisco and he and um i did a lot of stuff at motor studios so i I recorded on a lot of you know tony sly stuff no use stuff um Mm -hmm. I, i guessed it on a lot of people's records spike and you cunt um et cetera et cetera joey kate yeah on one of his songs so I was kind of like the, um, you know, the, 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 the singer they call <laughs> the fat <laughs> records, um, girl singer. So, wow. but Mike was working on a, you know, his musical home street home, which I think you mm-hmm. must know about. Yeah. It's like a, commi- yeah. um, uh, a, a play, not a play, but a, how do you call it in English? It's a, it's a musical. A musical. Yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah, yeah. Musical. And we, um, I was working with him a lot on that. So we would come, I would come over there and, sometimes I would help him get musicians together. Like I need a harp player and a cello player tomorrow. And I'm like, ah. and because I play a lot of music yeah. in the Bay area, I know all these musicians. So I was like, well, let me call up so-and-so and so and get you. But I was also doing a lot of singing on his, um, on his kind of demos, you know, because we were trying to, he was trying to write and rewrite and trying to figure out what he, what he wanted for certain songs and what mm-hmm. kind of characters it was like early stages. So I was, experimenting with him like trying different accents trying different vocal parts trying three-part harmonies trying all these things so we were working together a lot it was really fun and and then um their limo their their awesome keyboard player and um monitor tech that they had you know had been touring with them for years he's also Mm -hmm. a dear friend of mine um decided to not be touring anymore and so mike called me and was like you know what I know you can play piano. Like, yeah, I'm not amazing by the way, but, uh, yeah, he's like, let's, why don't you try out? Why don't you come in and, and play keyboards for us and, and sing because I'd already sang on a bunch of their songs, you know, I'm, yeah. I've kind of sung back up. So it was kind of fun. It was like still in the family and it is a family scene. Fat records 
and all yeah. the bands. It really does. It, it is. I mean, they call it a fat family because it is. It is. It feels that way, you know. Yeah, the fat family. So that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What was that? I said the fat family family. Fat, it's yeah, a pun. Exactly. That's a bad pun. Fat family, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was, you know, at first I was like, well, if the rest of the guys are not cool with having a girl in the band, I totally understand. I mean, uh, of course they were all they were uh, all fine with it, but it's like, you know, maybe they want to talk about certain things or you know, fart I in understand. the van. They don't want a girl around and uh, <laughs> But, but they yeah. just fart with it. they don't care if I'm there. They just fart anyways. It doesn't yeah. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> like, Damn it, I guess that doesn't change anything. <laughs> uh which brings bring me a new question because you said you were the quote unquote fat wreck girl. And how was it? Did you feel yeah. any pressure at the time? Was it like heavy to be the fat wreck girl or no? No, no. As a singer, you know, as a singer who's getting asked to, 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 you know, do some vocals. No, it was an honor. I mean, I'm okay. close friends with Mike's, um, you know, ex-wife, Aaron, who mm -hmm. they were together for a long time and, and we're good friends. There's a lot of women in the scene. They were, you know, they have a lot of fabulous disaster and, and now bad cop, bad cop. And there's yeah. a lot of women in and around, um, fat records. So it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, ever weird in that way. Okay. I never felt strange about it. You know, early days of just being in the music industry, being a woman. Now that's kind of funky. That's, that's been, that's been so much easier now. And I, and I, I never get any yeah. issues around it, but you know, you still get your sound guys that think you're just a girlfriend or, oh, yeah. you know, you know, the backstage groupie and not, not within our crew because we all know each other. So there's never been any of that, but, um, mm -hmm. and I always got respect, but, but, you know, in the larger music industry, it's, and record labels that are like, you know, I was on major labels. I just got all kinds of, you just get shit. You just get shit for it. And it's people don't, yeah. I don't know. It, it's like an old topic, but it's, it's true. You know, it was, it was mm -hmm. really challenging, especially when I was in an all girl band. Oof. Was yeah really crazy oh uh, yeah because it's so much bullshit oof, and i know disrespect uh. and really just it was really interesting to if you're in a band with a couple of guys it was less of that but um you'd still get it yeah like stopped you can yeah people think like stop you from going on stage they don't think you're in the band they just think you're a groupie all this shit oh uh, yeah when i started a radio show i was 20 so i was super young and uh i was so scared to ask to do an interview backstage because i knew i would look like a groupie and i was so shy so i would let my because i at some point i asked one of my friend a guy to co-host with me so i would send him do the interviews because i was like i i was feeling intimidated but not because of the people because i was scared right. to look like a groupie and exactly and i uh -huh. always look like his girlfriend people thought that i was his girlfriend and like was like no it's my show it's my radio show <laughs> You know, so frustrating. Yeah. But, I mean, the shit we had to put up with is crazy. Do you feel yeah. like it's better now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Much better. Oh, yeah. Well, you're, yeah. you're much more established, too. So people yeah. know who you are. But I'm so there's that. But, but I think in general, it's better. And I'm 38. I mean, I'm, I feel stronger about that. I, I'm not scared to ask any guests now. And I, it's fine. But it uh, took me a yeah. while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
a part of it is because of my personality, but also the context, you know, the social context and, and yeah. of course, so I, I know what you mean. And being in an all girls band, I can't imagine, but because it's also great because you have your girls with you, but at the same time, it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's why I wrote so many songs about, about like being a woman in the industry. And then just because it was like, you know, my experience was like, you know, I have people telling me the most ridiculous shit, you know, you guys should wear red or you should oh, wear, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. little short skirts oh. and low, low cut dresses. And you know what? I could really help you because I work in the industry. I was like, what do you do? You know, you stack records in the back of tower records or something like you work in the industry, like all this, like bullshit. You should sing backup for my band. It's like, no, fuck you. We've got oh. our own record fucking label. Like, we didn't, <laughs> yeah, I just, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So sexist really difficult and I, I did write a lot of songs about that stuff it was so fucking annoying so like, and I think it, it I think it fueled my energy I think that some of my kind of like power in vocals mm -hmm. um and kind of you know like punk rock energy and sound yeah and blasting and same with dancehall crashers was coming out of that anger you know Oh, sure. Uh, it was just like ag aggressive, like, fuck you, like, <laughs> fuck you all. Like, and also like, come on ladies and, and girls, like we can do this and yeah. fuck, fuck them. And we've, we've got this and like, you're good and we're good and we can, you know, yeah. and it would always be from people that were like, just not even working anyway. You know, there was a sort of like, oh, you're doing well because you know, you got tits and you're a girl. Uh, or whatever. Oh yeah. Because you, 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 know, you can never win that, you know, it's like. As a woman, you can never win. It's either you you succeed because you're pretty or because you're not pretty. So the, you're one of the boys. So, <laughs> so you, there's no way right. you can win this. <laughs> yeah, it's not because we work our fucking no, ass off. Is, exactly. That's not why. It's only because, yeah, exactly. So this is, this is it just drove me crazy. But, but I feel less of that. Um, I feel like it's more accepting and, and it's just the social. Mm-hmm. Yeah, climate has changed. Um, yeah, I feel not that entirely. Too. We're still working on it, but yeah. Yeah, you can still write songs. Than... You can still write songs about that, but it's still it's it's always improving. I have hope a lot. It's yeah, it's definitely been improving. Yeah, even just you know, so many more women get Grammys. So many more, many more women are established. So many more women in in tech, yeah. uh, meaning music tech, audio, you know, things like that. Yeah, it's get it's getting a little better. It's getting a little better. Yeah, <laughs> I want to talk yeah. briefly about uh, recording the Red Rock, um, the decline with no effects, the Red yeah. Rock, because you were talking about playing keys and sometimes the songs are complicated, but this is one complicated song, right? So how yeah. how was it? How was the mood there? Because I, I have the vinyl, and every time I listen, I'm yeah. listening to, it, I'm like, ah, it I was be there. How was that? It wasn't. It was intense. It was really high energy. Um, I think every band member cried. Ah, uh, gosh. Because it was so, it was such a sort of emotional experience yeah. to hear it like that. Like, I think afterwards, everyone was just, well, not just after, before. It was the process of practicing for it, getting ready for it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Baz, who the, the orchestra um, so kind of leader band, He is incredible. He's such a badass. He's like, he's insanely talented yeah. and hardworking um, young man. I guess he's getting a little older now, but I met him when he was quite young. So he 
you know, he just orchestrated this whole thing. I actually helped a little bit with get, gathering musicians because again, <laughs> I have a kind of a big network because I, yeah. <laughs> you know, I do all kinds of, I do all kinds of music. So I was sort of putting the feelers out into Denver. Like he's like, can you help me? I was like, yes, I have all these classical musicians I know mm-hmm. in San Francisco. They're connected. There's like a whole network of, of like classical musicians and nice. jazz musicians that you can tap into these networks. Like this thing called classical revolution where they play all over the country. So I helped him a little bit with, with just pulling together some great musicians um, Mm -hmm. in the area, but he just did so much work to put that together and, and, you know, send them files and practice and all these things. So, um, and then playing there. Wow. I I had never, I had never played there before. So it was just epic. (laughs) I mean, I don't explain it. It's like, one of the coolest, um, events, you know, I'll always remember it. It it was, I mean, the fact that we were also playing other music that day, that Mm -hmm. night too, it's like, oh yeah, we've got to play the the full set and then we've got to play the decline, which is just crazy. So as far as I was, I was doing some keyboard parts and some string parts and a few things that, um, Baz had decided Mm -hmm. he wanted the keyboards to do, but you know, most of it was covered by, you know, bassoon and, and tuba and strings and, you know, violin and trumpets. And so clarinets, it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't doing a whole lot. I was doing a little bit. But you were yeah. there, you felt the cool. you felt the mood and you saw everything and, and you were, yeah, you, you sang a little too on the song. Yeah. A little bit, little backups and stuff. Yeah. 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 It was, it was incredible. Wow, that's great! And um, yeah, so, I mean that place is just, that place is so gorgeous. You know, I, don't I know need to go there. there. But... No, I've never been there. I should. I've never been there, but I, mean, I should. It's, it's magical. It's just you're in you're in these amazing red rocks, and I mean the, the venue just as standalone venue is incredible, and then just the view is it it. You just can't. You kind of can't believe what you're seeing. You know, it's one of those like. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel real. It's it's just absolutely stunning. I want to go there so, and anyway. I want to visit the blasting room too. <laughs> yeah, Colorado. Love those guys. Yeah, I'm good friends with them. Yeah. Wow, that's so great. And so right now, what are you working on? Because you 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 the tour with No FX is over, I think. So what's next for you? What are you? Oh. Not quite. We have, oh, okay. um, <clears throat> we have actually, I have a show this weekend in, um, Asbury park in New Jersey and then we're playing. Oh, yeah. In, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it got moved. We were supposed to do it last weekend, but, um, because of the hurricane, <laughs> it got moved. That's a good reason. Because the weather was that mm. lovely little hurricane. Um, that, yeah, another, another reason to cancel shows is like was COVID and now it's climate change. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, we they were going to Australia in December. No effects is going to to Australia, so that's going to be great. And then we have you know some stuff planned for the next year and a half, and that's still to be advertised and mm-hmm. announced and determined um, online. So I won't say too much about that, but we do have some things coming up. And I I'm working. You know, I put a record out um, some years back. Um, of my own solo material yes. called Under Glass. Yeah, it was like and in uh, 2015. Yeah, it was 2015. It's been a while. Um, and so I'm doing some follow-ups to that. I have yeah. a couple of a couple of things I'm going to be putting 
coming out, which are actually covers. So oh. they're not going to be original material, but I'm also working on my original material. So that's just right now, it's just all going to be under my name, Karina Danike. One of the, one of the pieces, one of the EPs is going to be called Where We Met. And mm. the other one is, a, it's me and a piano player oh. and some extra instruments. And that's some covers. It's like um, something by Elliot Smith, something by a couple of early, early jazz tunes that are from the 1930s that are really beautiful. Um, one called Moon Ray, another one called Butter, Cry Buttercup. They're just really mm. very interesting songs. Um, something by John Lennon. So it's uh, kind of a combination of some... Back yeah, to your it's roots. a kind of combination of... Mm-hmm. What was that? I said back to your roots with the, the Beatles. <laughs> Yeah, the Beatles, that, who I love, and Elliot Smith, who I'm a huge fan of, who's an incredible songwriter, and um, Harry Nielsen is another song that I'm doing by uh, 60s, great 60s, kind of John Lennon contemporary. Um, and then I'm also re- going to be releasing like a little live thing I did during the, during um, kind of at the end of the pandemic, but it was a, it was a live recording and, and I just got some files back oh. for that because I hadn't, I didn't have them and So we're going to be releasing that. And then, yeah. And then some more original material by me. And I'm, I'm in like six bands, you know, so yeah. <laughs> I'm constant. I'm, I'm always doing projects. So yeah, this is the name under glass came out 2015, but I have some other original music that will be coming at some point soon. I think you released and, a, you, you yeah. released a, a Elliot Smith song already in January earlier this year. Yeah, I did. I did. That's right. Um, I know it was funny because I was already recording this other one. And then my friend, so my friend who actually toured, she's a, a f- incredible um, arranger and, and um, composer and oh. musician. Her name is Dina Maccabee. So her and I are in a band called the Red Room Orchestra. So this is a group that does a lot of soundtrack material. We do mm-hmm. a lot of Twin Peaks, um, like all the music from Twin Peaks. We've done these great, amazing, huge shows with with some of the cast members of the original Twin Peaks movie um, series. So some people that I'm like grew up with, oh. I'm huge fans of. And she was actually on the Koki the Clown tour that we did with with um, Mike as well. So she mm-hmm. she arranged um, this song called Needle in the Hay, which is an Elliot Smith oh. song for a string quartet. And I and I released that. Um, so yeah. And you know, I just released a song with Mike Park, which is yeah, um, I saw from that. Skank and Pickle. So yeah. rad! And it's a fun, fun rock city, like kind of old style. And it's funny because Mike Park and I played my my first show ever with Dancehall Crashers was with Skank and Pickle, which is his old band. He, pl- he played so a little. That was again back to the roots. He played in Dancehall Crasher. He, he he used to play in Dancehall Crasher a little. Yeah, that's right. We did a couple couple of sh- uh, like a little tour with him. It was a, it was at our mid period where we mm-hmm. didn't have a regular horn like section, but we were trying to play with somebody playing, you know, some saxophone. So actually, he played with us. Dean Olmsted, who was in Let's Go Bowling, played with us for a little period of time, and then um, this guy Matt, who's actually in the English Beat now which was funny because it was kind of, I think we were his early ska days and he he's local from the Bay Area. So well, he's kind of like little famous guys. And then T-Bone Willie, who was in Save Ferris and he's mm. in Bite Me Bambi now. So um, oh, yeah. he played with us for a while. So, 
but yeah, Mike Park and I just released a song. I've been doing this a little series with Mikey and his uke. You probably know him because the yes. Canadian connection, maybe. Yes. Yeah. So I've been doing a lot of a lot of things on the side. Um, I, I sing in a swing band that that I play with a lot called the Cottontails. We do like a lot of twenties and thirties. I have another band called the Bluebells that does a lot of twenties and thirties. So, but I do as much thing, as many things as I wow. feel like I want to do. But um, my solo material is is kind of first and foremost on my on my list right now, and coming back to that, yeah. What do you write so. about? What are you write writing about? The lyrics, the topics. Yeah, this is this is a, a different time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I always tend to write about whatever's happening in my life a little bit, mm -hmm. but it usually has a twist. And sometimes I, I like to adopt different characters. Mm. Um, so it'll be something kind of related to me, but then I'll, I'll kind of create another persona a little bit that I, that I think that I'm writing from. So it's, I don't know how to explain it, but, it, but it, it becomes, it becomes a sort of an extension of the story. Like if the story may have one little seed, but then it becomes a, a further kind of character that's maybe a little removed from me. So I sometimes do that. Um, hmm. And what do I write about? I don't know, like a little bit about tour, a little bit about moods, um, seasons. I was writing a lot about San Francisco um, history, like little historical kind of captures of how, There's some be really beautiful historical things about San Francisco that are kind of oh. like found their way into my songs about the ocean, which has a lot of references. Um, yeah, I did a Czechoslovakian lullaby on that on my Underglass album. That's my parents are Czech, so again, this has this the, the storyline is all about the ocean and and uh, traveling, father going away on the ocean, which just all kind of relates to San Francisco and this big oh. oceanic theme, which has a lot of other symbolism of course so yeah depends i love you know, that i was writing a lot about bad boyfriends but now i've got a good boyfriend so I don't need to write about that. <laughs> that's the secret that's the secret but you'll find other topics I, I'm, i'm happy yeah. you found a good man <laughs> it's always fun to write about that <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> i agree with that yeah wow asshole oh. boyfriends yeah good song asshole materials Yeah, but you, you What, will, whatever it's, you know, you could always work. Whatever, what you write about changes. Yeah, Sorry, no, I was, I was about to say, even if you have a good boyfriend, you can always write about this crazy planet. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, that's the thing that some of it, some of it is a couple of songs I have right now are sort of, I started one of them. I, I, I put aside and I hadn't finished for years and it was talking about how, our uh, summers were getting really warm and it was like, you know, talking about, oh, yeah. yeah, it's climate change is happening. This is a super old song that like, I don't know, six years ago, I was writing this song and I kind of put it aside and I never finished it. And I've come back to it a little bit. And it's just weird because, you know, we all experience in this climate mm -hmm. shift yeah. even more so in the last five years. Like, I feel like the last five years it's been like, Oh, now it's really obvious. Now we're really aware. Yeah. So It's interesting how these things, you know, do come around. So there's a tiny little bit of climate stuff in what, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about it. We're yeah. all feeling it. And, and a lot of Mike's songs are, he's been talking about it a long time. A lot of people are, but. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. So. Uh, I'm so happy we had this chat. Thank you so much, Karina. And I'm gonna keep the listeners informed about your projects. Uh, if you release anything, you. I'll share it. Last question that I love to ask to my guests: What are your other yeah. passions? Other passions? Other hobbies besides music? What do you like to do for uh, just to rest or just uh, unwind or have fun? What do you like? Man, um, that's always a hard one for me. I spent so much of my energy shifted on music. Um, you know, I, I love, I love the sunshine. So I just love getting in the sun. I got to, you know, I take lots of, lots of walks and hikes and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, um, spent a lot of time with family and friends and really, especially after COVID, just making sure those connections are really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I love dancing. I love, um, I love, you know, going to, going to see art and being involved uh-huh. in art, learning, taking, taking, uh, taking classes, uh-huh. reading. I mean, uh-huh. all the things that, yeah, I just going to galleries, going to art museums, going to, you know, I'm going to spend a few days in New York and I'm excited to, to see the Guggen, go back to Guggenheim and just to see some of my favorite galleries and art Wow. Uh, artwork because that, I think that really informs a musician as well just to be and nature really does to me it, it feels um you know just getting inspiration from wherever you can mm-hmm. um you know comedy I mean there's all kinds of things <laughs> keeping keeping the well you know keeping information coming in as you're trying oh, to yeah. write is always It's the purpose really of my life to learning all the time. I, I chose uh, not to have kids. So I, I'm like, that. I, I need this time to learn as much as possible about everything. So Totally. Yeah. And I love to cook and things like that. I mean, homey, homey stuff when you're traveling a lot. It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's nice to kind of be home and go to farmer's markets and cook really healthy food. And I don't know. <laughs> Sounds boring. No, But, you know, not. traveling and touring is... is I mean, I still go to a lot of shows. I still go to a lot of shows when I can. I mean, COVID screwed that up. So, mm-hmm. you know, trying to trying to come back to that, seeing music, seeing, you know, other people's great, mm-hmm. you know, um, compositions and films. Yeah. I, I, I know so many creative, creative people that I'm constantly inspired by them. They're always like new records all the time that are coming out and new, you yeah. know you made a film. Oh my God, it's incredible. And your art (laughs) show is amazing. So that's the kind of stuff I like to do. Wow. That's great. I'm so happy you, you were my guest today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Keep doing this. We need you in the scene. Thank you. Ah. I appreciate it. We need you in the scene too. Oh, thank you. Oh, you know what? Thank you so much. Some people wrote me that we should do a song.
this episode. If you want to support the show, you can subscribe, you can share the episodes on your social medias, you can subscribe to the Patreon or make a donation on Buy Me A Coffee or directly on PayPal. Thank you to Scott Hallquist for co-producing and editing the show. Thank you to Iodine Recordings and EpicMerchStore.com for sponsoring this episode. Please, please, please support also my guests and my the band Army Punk Man. It's super important. They are so happy to have feedback. Next week, my guest will be Joseph of the band Her Heads on Fire. I hope you're gonna enjoy discovering this recent band. Until then, punk your life, guys. See you next week. <laughs>